It is such a thrill to have Celtic Cross on as this week's guest on Taste. I've known the VCs for 25 plus years, and this is just one of those bands that keeps making great Irish American music that is really the soundtrack of our lives. It grows up with us, and that's what makes this such a special band. And when I was the music columnist of the Irish Voice, I almost always named them Artist of the Year because every time they came out with something new, it set a new bar. So here is Celtic Cross, and be sure to tune in at the very end of this podcast for what I'm calling the bonus episode. They had so many great stories that it continued after I stopped rolling the tape initially, and they were so good I had to turn the tape back on again to capture all this. So hope you enjoy this episode of Taste with Celtic Cross. Well, look at me on Taste. I have the I'm gonna I'm just gonna call it. It's the first family of <laughs> Irish American music here, and that is Celtic Cross. And uh we have Ken, we have John, we have Kathleen. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know Celtic Cross, I, I'm not joking. This is really, to me, a band that just creates the soundtrack of what it is to be Irish American, especially Irish American in a certain part of, of the country where you did the Catskills on the weekends and you did Rory Dolan's uh, McLean Avenue. And I just think, it's almost a diary that you guys create in your songs and your music of, uh, of what it was like to grow up in that area. So that's why uh, you have just been a go-to for me playing your music over the years. It's just the soundtrack of my life. So I'm just so thrilled to call you guys friends and have you guys be guests on this podcast. So welcome. How, how long do we know you? you? I remember being you down the shore. Well, I'm a lot younger than you guys. I'm a lot younger. No, I'm <laughs> my mother, it was my mother that took me to see you first. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, was, that was too easy, John. That was too easy. No, you know what? That's great. I just wanted to know how long you knew. It, was. it could be 20 years. Well, this, is the tr this is the truth. When I was on your website, you guys started in 99, right? No, 90. 90. Okay, well, I started writing for the Irish Voice in 97. So I would say 97, 98 is when we probably first um, locked, uh, locked horns and locked pints with one another. So it's got to be close to 25 years that we guys, have, we've been friends, right? It's a long time. It has to be. And we haven't aged that. Bad word between us. For a bad word. Never <laughs> a bad word, like. Well, you know, I've, uh, and, you know, I've said this behind your back and I've said this to your face that, uh, you know, your your albums, while I was writing for the Irish Voice, always were either at or the top of my best of the year list because it's just been a great uh, mixture of, of, again, it's an Irish-American soundtrack. So why don't you take us back to how you grew up? Because I would imagine, you know, the soundtrack of your life is probably what we hear in the set list now, isn't it? Because it's definitely traditional music and you definitely have, you'd hear everything from Fleetwood Mac to the Little River Band and everything in between, and then you just get some furious fiddling. So what was that kind of Irish-American stew that you fed on that, that formed your, your influences? Well, being born in America to, to Irish parents, um, 
you're influenced by your surroundings. So obviously our parents, uh, they had the Irish program Fordham on every Sunday. FUV, right? Born and raised on FUV. Yep. And, uh, and then we were influenced by the music that we heard on popular radio. Irish music lessons in the Bronx. It's just a melting pot here in, in New York City uh, of influences, you know. And also, Ken, we were growing up, you had like Stockton Swing, you had Planksty and all these other groups which were on cutting edge, were kind of doing new stuff in Ireland that we would listen to over here and kind of gave us like, you know, that where Ireland was taking the art to music and those those great musicians, yeah, edgier, not like the not like the old type sessions, but a little edgier, different mm -hmm. chords, great songs, drums we, and bass, yeah, drums that. and bass, bringing it into the trad stuff. We we kind of fed on that too. Yeah. Absolutely, it, it, when when trad music started to become a little more progressive instead mm -hmm. of really traditional, out of like the uh, the backlands of Ireland. Uh, when uh, the uh, Donal Lunny, uh, you know, inspired uh, Brady and Christy Moore. Yeah. Oh my God, Christy Moore, I know. So just talk talk me through the journey quickly about like, all right, so you're raised on some of that stuff, but then for those of you that don't know, we've got some All-Ireland players here, you know? So, and when we say All-Ireland, these are Irish-American kids that went over to Ireland in some cases to compete against the Irish fiddle players and the Irish squeeze boxers and and come back with the gold on that. So how did it go from listening to that stuff and going for lessons to, you know, that's a that's a pretty grueling competitive track you were on that you how did you make that leap? Well, uh, the believe it or not, the standard of traditional Irish music in New York at that time was very high. It was still uh, is, I think. Yeah. It, it, it's it higher really is. now, I think. Yeah, never. Um, definitely. I mean, the, the young musicians are phenomenal. But uh, there were really good fiddle teachers, fiddle players in New York. So the bar was high in New York. And, and I guess it really raised, uh, you know, I, I'm competitive. So I it raised the, 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 uh, the level of competition in me to, to really work hard at it and and we we loved it. It, it it was something we got a chance to go back to ireland every summer to go visit our grandparents yeah. uh and and meet our cousins and stuff like that so it was worth putting in the effort um and our parents you know brilliant as they were the you know they held that carrot out to us i got so excited to talk to you i forgot about the introduction we should <laughs> So we, who we have with us here is we have Ken VC and John VC and Kathleen VC from uh, Fee, Kathleen VC Fee from Celtic Cross, if you're wondering who's talking. So I introduced you guys as Celtic Cross, but I didn't actually go through uh, like who's actually on, on this podcast. So that was Ken talking. So uh, again, it, it, it is a very competitive track. And, and, and it's also, I know that uh, some of your kids collectively have picked up some of those traditional uh, instruments as well, right? I think, you know, Mike, one thing I want to add to what Kenny had said was our parents are from Mayo and Longford and they never had the opportunity to learn an instrument. So for them, that was really a gift that they felt that very strongly that they were giving us. And, and so they encouraged it. Every Sunday we were brought to sessions, whether they were in New Jersey, in the Bronx and the community of Irish musicians was very close here. 
you know, we would go back to Ireland every August and thankfully the um, Kyoto's branches would do these fundraisers and raise money. And if you were representing the US, you got your flight paid for. And really that's the only reason we could afford to go back every year. So that was really an incentive for us too. And so we'd go back to Ireland and our cousins would be like, you're way more Irish than we are. Cause like we knew the songs, <laughs> yeah. you know, we would play the music and that, you know, just such a strong sense of Irish pride growing up here in, in you know, the New York area. Well, to, to Kathleen's point, our parents, their, their, their families could not afford instruments for them. They were, you know, they were very poor farmers and they had a love of music and dance, but they just had no capacity to have the instruments to-, to Press to, it to out and, and whatnot, yeah. 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 That is encouraged. And I hope people don't get that um, confused with like, ah, go on now, go downstairs and practice, would you for an hour? It was more like, get down and get to the accordion and start practicing. I don't, and don't make that mistake again. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. So I don't want to hear it until it's right. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right now. The wooden spoon's out, but right behind you, like that's that's so great. Well, you know, it's one of those things where I probably have the benefit. I mean, I've I've been your friend for so long. I've been a fan for so long, and it really does explain what how you just described that really explains what I see in the audience that you may not see, and that is just like no kidding your mother and father just beam with pride when they're watching you up there. And it is so great to see. It really is, it's a family band, not just because you guys are in it, but then your biggest fans are there cheering you on and and they're just so proud. And I love to just stand next to your mom and dad at a gig and, and they're just, um, whatever they don't say about the pride, they, it, it just shows in their face. It's It's so cool, you know, so. Our house was the house that everybody stayed over in every weekend. Like my mom and we would all come back from the Bronx or wherever we were playing. And there would literally be like 15 friends crashing in the basement and get up Sunday morning. And sure enough, the fry would be on, WFUV would be playing. And, you know, she, my mom was really good. She, she knew that we were probably slightly hungover. And it would be before tea, it would be a big glass of soda with ice in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're getting into the, uh, you're getting into the, the taste, the, the food portion of this, of this <laughs> podcast. So it sounds like your mom was surgical and well-versed in providing the, the nourishment the when remedy. the hangover, the remedy. We were talking before we started to hit the record. What was that that illness that you guys had that would just go all over the other story? Yes. Roma gumption in the egg bag it is a terrible <laughs> malady that that uh, you know uh, my mom uh, my mom creates a lot of words. She has a language all to her own. Uh, and, so, so, so walk me through when you've had the experience yourself of having. Rumma gumption in the egg bag. bag. Like, how did, it, how, did that, how did that taste on the tongue? How did that, like, just walk me through it. It's, you know, usually it came about when you had an exam or you didn't finish your homework and, and you wake up in the morning and you're, you know, your mom can see right through your nonsense. And she says, ah, come on, you have rumma gumption in your egg bag. Come on, get your clothes on and get to school. 
And, uh, you know, it carried through to the next generation. Uh, Rubber gumption in the egg bag. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is that? So uh, a funny story. Uh, my son, uh, he, uh, he wasn't feeling good. And, and he had heard the dreaded rum gumption in the egg bag malady uh, before. For whatever reason, I, I took him to the doctor. And the doctor gives him an examination. She's like, I, I, I think, you know, she said to him, I think you have the sinus infection. And he's like, oh, thank God. I, I thought I had rum gumption in my egg bag. And the, guys, the doctor looks at me and I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you were like, you were, you were like the apostle Peter before the cock crowed three times, you denied your son. Who is like, he? Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. You, it's on you. The remedy was always a hot toddy. Like you were coming down with anything at all. It could just be like your foot hurt. You, my mom would be in the kitchen and it would be a hot toddy. And, and you'd be like, you know, I was like 10 years old trying to like drink, go on now and let it down. Go on, throw it back and let it down. And you'd go to, and then she'd make us like put on sweatshirts and get really dressed yeah. up and you'd sweat go, it out. Yeah. go sweat, sweat it, it out. out. I remember warm bottles of tea. That was like, Tea cured everything, right? I mean, it was, oh, yeah. it, it really did. So your mom was big for the big fry on a Sunday, listening to SU, FUV. That was like, is that, what are some of your other memories of, how did your mom keep the culture of food alive in the house uh, when you were growing up? Because my mom, my mom roasted everything within an inch of its life. And, and that's not to say that she was a bad cook because quite the opposite. My mom would be like, no kidding. Nobody roasts that perfectly brown roast of a potato quite like my mother does and everything was roasted or boiled or as they say in the west of ireland roasted like it was to, to, to roast it we roast everything so what was that like for you guys well you know my mom was a good cook she would cook everything you know she we had you know pork chops and she would make an eye round you know the the, the she's cook. yeah she's a pretty good cook and the fry was sort of staple we loved we and we Loved still and to this boxy. day. Boxy, she made great little boxy and soda bread. Um, she, she, I hope she brings some over today, Super Bowl Sunday. So she's coming over later. So I'm hoping to have some of her uh, her, her uh, soda bread. The fry was always, you know, but we couldn't get the fry like we can now. Or you yeah. it, it would only be people traveling back from Ireland. Yeah, you they, they would, you know, bring ten pounds. Yeah, they bring ten pounds, and you get you get a pound, but you would share it with everybody in the suitcases, though. We'd be smuggling back Irish breakfast in the suitcase and hoping that customs wouldn't like bust Take us. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember my father like going out of shadow to be like, pretend you have something in your eye. Don't look at the customs guy as he's leaving. <laughs> so um, I, I, I mentioned this to Joni Madden a couple of weeks ago when I interviewed her. This is the, I call this the true crime section of the podcast now. And I want to ask you, because you, you both, you've all displayed a really good Irish accent. Did you ever call yourself out of school with it? <laughs> like when the rumagumption line didn't work, did you ever call yourself out of school? Can you be honest? It's years and you, nobody's listening but us. No, I don't think so. No, I can't sign report cards if they weren't good. He had my parents' signature down like a star. Yeah, I think throughout high school they never saw your report card. They never asked. It was more about to go practice your music. Hand to hand to God, hand to God. Last night I was with my parents, and my I had a, I had to sign a document. Uh, I was setting up my mom's online direct deposit 
for our dad's for her his uh retirement and i signed his name and he looked down he was like well geez that's a good forgery there i i would have thought i would have signed that i was like well yeah i, I kind of i kind of signed myself out of school i signed the bad grades i did all that so you know i totally get it so let's talk about fuv for a second because you've been on that for a while so was that one of those things where you thought you might have made it when you found yourself on FUV, what was that like when you first got on FUV after listening to that for so many years? You were young. You were, must have been like 17. Yeah. Like, that was like, I just wanted ago. to go to Fordham. Yeah, <laughs> like two years ago. Um, no, it was a thrill, you know, and then every time they would play us, our phones would be like lighting up, you know, everybody would stop what they were doing, like we're on the radio. Well, we'd be you going know? to a Sunday gate, listening to FUV on our way into a gig. And they'd be like, did you hear they played us? You know, we didn't have cell phones back then. Yeah. So we'd get, wait till the gig came and we were like, oh, they played us, isn't that great? So, and then everybody would come down Sunday nights to see us in, in, in uh, Yonkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and then we would play live and, stuff, and all, all the time for the fundraisers. Yeah. They're a great organization, great. Or, yeah. for the community they supported live local band uh, local bands uh and, and it was the only outlet for bands like us like and, and today shillelagh law and stuff it, before you know larry had had his show on serious um it was it was hard to get airplay it was hard to really get you know uh, much traction so and it was hard to get your schedule out where you were performing so they were just so Very kind supportive. to all of us. Like, yeah, like you said, the narrowbacks, um, and they still are. Like, they still, you know, they'll do favors for us. If you want them to announce the show or anything, they're always, you know, right there to lend a hand. Good we people. did their 25th um, concert, which was amazing. I still have the, I have it upstairs, the poster or my, where it was like Annie and Iris. Who else was mm-hmm. on that? Like, Joni. Um, I know Denny was on it. McCarthy. Was he on it? I think so, yep. Uh, there were a ton of people. It was great. It was at the Museum of Television and Radio. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. We'll be right back after this message. Message like this message like. Taste is sponsored by the good folks at Love Letters Profiles. Our personal consultation takes the heaviness and significance out of the dating profile writing process. We'll help you write a funny, flirty, straight-to-the-point dating profile that will attract the attention you want and discourage the attention you don't want. Studies show humor is among the most attractive qualities people look for in a mate. And we believe tickling the funny bone is the first step in establishing chemistry. We make the writing process fun, and we won't quit until you're 100% satisfied. Check us out on loveletterspropiles.com or at Love Letters Profiles on Facebook or Instagram. All right, and we're back with the members of Celtic Cross. Ken, what was it like for you when you first heard your song on the radio and when maybe did your kids pick up that something was going on with mom and dad and and dad's kind of like a big deal uh, what is it like i tell the mr Sullivan story Which one? Mom. Mom. from gavin's in the catskill mountains oh when I, when I, <laughs> after i started dating my uh my wife we had uh, a a a gig scheduled at Gavin in East Durham, Gavin's Golden Hill. I 
thought that I would be my, uh, you know, uh, future in-laws dream, uh, you know, uh, date for, uh, for their daughter. And uh, I would have thought that my girlfriend at the time, my wife would have bragged, you know, about this new Irish boy that she was dating. Um, however, it was none of that at all. And uh, her uh, parents uh, came to see the band and, and at the break, uh, John and I went outside for a breath of fresh air and who comes out but her mom and dad and uh, her dad gets me over in the corner and starts talking to me. And he's like, yeah, my daughter goes to see you in the Bronx. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. You know, uh, yeah. And he's like, you might know her name, Brenda, Brenda Sullivan. And, and I'm like, this is a trick question. Isn't he? he's, trying to, he's trying to catch me up here. I'm like, yeah, I know her, I know her. And I'm like, I thought she was supposed to come up this weekend. Oh no, she decided not to come up. And I'm like, a then I look over at John and John is selling her, her mom a Celtic Cross t-shirt. And I'm like- You saw an opportunity, you know, mer <laughs> the merch. Business. I'm business like, what? is business. So as soon as I get, you know, we get back uh, the next week, I, I call and I'm like, hey, if you wanted a Celtic Cross t-shirt, I would have given you one. You didn't have to buy it. And she's like, oh, I did not tell my parents about you because they would have been bothering me about this nice Irish boy and when are you going to marry him and, and all this. So, uh, so that was my uh, first introduction into uh, my future in-laws. As far as the kids, they're mild, mildly amused by uh, any airplay that we get or any sort of, uh, uh, you know, yeah, accolades. <laughs> they they, they want to poo poo it and ground you as fast as they can. Yeah. yeah so uh, they they're yeah. not very supportive. Let's put it that way. I will I mean, say my. I mean, how about having a rockin' mom? Come on, like. Funny enough, I, I have two sons at University of Tennessee. My young, uh, my third guy, um, had COVID, and so he missed the orientation. The woman who runs the the a dorm room that he's living in called to check on him and see how he was doing. And so he said, you know, I've had COVID, but I'm, I'm moving in this week. And he goes, she goes, oh, that's great. And um, you, you live in New York? And he said, yeah. And she's like, this is going to be a really weird question. Do you know Kathleen from Celtic Cross? <laughs> <laughs> that's my mom. <laughs> so he's like, really? So it was pretty nice when we went down there. She gave him a really good dorm room, gave him his cell phone number. If he gets lonely, I'll take him out to dinner. And he was like, all right, that was kind of cool. I'll give you that. Yeah. Now, come on. Well, wait a minute. Surely there's irrefutable evidence. I mean, you've sung the national anthem in Pittsburgh Stadium, for God's sakes. I mean, that that doesn't at least give you some cool mom points at all. What, what's going on? My oldest son, when I came up from doing that, said, well, thank God you didn't mess that one up. <laughs> would have been so yeah. embarrassing if we're, you messed that up. We're never going to get the cool points. I mean, here I'm doing like book signings. I've got little film premieres. My wife's a DJ on the radio doing personal appearances. And I, my my daughter came to me not too long ago. She was like really annoyed. She's like, my friends want to follow you on Instagram. Could you like knock it off? <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't help it. Yeah. Come on. 
So what's going on with Celtic Cross now? Now, you know, you right before this podcast began, you sent me over a text of a new song and I like just didn't have even a lot of time to unpack it. But what I what I heard of Danny Boy, I really love. So what's going on with the band now and, and what can we expect from you guys in the near future? I know you guys have, uh, you know, just following you on Facebook and whatnot, there's there's concerts in in Nashville that are going on and there's concerts on the uh, on a on McLean Avenue and there's little gigs on boat slips in Montauk. So what what can we expect next uh, from musically from you guys? Well, we're going to we're definitely in the studio. Um, we've been working hard uh, throughout COVID with the uh, with the downtime that we've had. Um, Kathleen. She's the word girl. She's putting out the songs. Um, we're working on a couple of songs uh, right now. Three, I think three or four mm-hmm. are in the process um, right now. Um, I've been writing some tune stuff where we're getting into going to um, Kenny, Frank, and myself. We're going to start hitting the studio hard. We've written one jig set already. So we will have a lot of come 2022. We're not rushing it, Mike. We're at the age. We're like the old bulls now. We're like, ah. We'll get down there. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. But we're because we want to make it right. We want to make it good. You know, this God only knows how many more we'll have left in us after. <laughs> well, it takes a lot out of you. All the all the, the studio takes a lot out of you. It's great. It's great time in there and everything. But finding time to do it is, is hard. We'll so, we'll yeah. have something. We'll have something uh, later this year. You know, uh, hopefully before the summer. You know, um, I know you had Larry Kerwin on and we um, did one of his songs in a compilation for uh, Black 47. Um, And he's a great friend of ours as well. And Larry's advice has always been write what you know. And um, so it's just, you know, it's been fun to sit back and, you know, create the songs about our experience as Irish Americans and, you know, the things that we've been exposed to. So we're doing it right. We're taking our time. I'll send you a bunch more over, but um, we're excited for the new music. It keeps keep it keeps us, you know, um, fresh. Yeah. Keeps us fresh. There's a devilish pint composition that's been rattling around. Maybe that could be on the next album. We'll see. It's absolutely in the works. Yes. Is it really? Yes, oh my it gosh. <laughs> well, just for you uh, viewers at home, uh, I wrote a book called The Devilish Pint and we had a, play idea uh, called The Devilish Pint. And, you know, Kathleen just teased me mercilessly. She's like, you know, I'm kind of working on a little thing called The Devilish Pint. I'm like, what? So, uh, and, and that, you know, in our long friendship, and I, I really so appreciative of our, our friendship, uh, Kathleen has been nice enough to uh, be on my wild playwriting idea. So we had, this is your brain on Shamrocks that we had on the Manhattan Repertory Theater, which was so much fun and you've you guys have been so supportive of of my work as well and i i just really deeply appreciate our friendship uh what was that like for you to be on the stage uh not singing and doing that acting what was that like for you terrifying but it was absolutely terrifying you know how you know how i knew that by the way there's i wrote it into the script where you'd actually have to do a swig of whiskey and and between you and sean there was that whole Bottle. And I'm like, and it was good stuff. By the end of rehearsals, they were gone. And 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 it was only a 10-minute play, and you guys burned through the whiskey on that. I, I knew there was some nerves going on and you had to calm them. But what was that like for you? 
you know what, Mike, thank you so much. Cause you know, I think you grow when you get out of your comfort zone as we've mm. all learned. So for me, that was really out of my comfort zone, but to have Jerry and, you know, Sean Ruane, you know, there with, with me. And yes, there was a little bit of Jameson involved in a couple of the things that you wrote in. Thank God. It was absolutely the time of my life. You know, it was just so much fun. Um, and I, I just appreciate that opportunity so much. Thank you. Now, uh, you got two leading men on either side of you. If I wrote a play for you guys, would you be in it? Come on. Absolutely. <laughs> the Three Stooges. <laughs> Doesn't it have an accordion in it? Well, it, actually, the working title of it is A Boy in a Squeeze Box. And uh, uh, you got me. If that, that squeeze, if that squeeze box could talk, man, that's the interview I want to have. I want to have the squeeze box with a microphone. Well, it has a lot of hidden stories. John, we used to get John bring his accordion in everywhere we went. I'm like, is this like your wingman? He goes, it's like the best wingman oh, ever. Yeah. What's in your box? It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> tell stories. That's it. Well, you guys, I, I have vivid memories, just seared memories of uh, you playing that squeeze box fero ferociously. And you said it on the website, but it's actually the truth that it is. it was like the Hendrix of squeeze box, if you can imagine it. So he played it behind his back and with his teeth and, and, uh, and, and Kenny, the same thing with, uh, with playing the fiddle. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Not quite on that level. Oh, you did indeed. You, I you... served uh, with the accordion. Uh, oh, oh, you'd love my dad. Jesus, you have to stop with that gibberish on your back with that accordion. <laughs> drove him crazy. Oh, you didn't stand it. He's like, what are you doing up there? Jesus Christ. I'll show we like. Yeah. Why do you have to do that now? Can we be more like Patty Noonan, you know, just stand up there and play? Why did you pull it so hard? <laughs> I actually got, I had to get it extended because I ripped it apart several times. So I had the accordion extended. The last time I saw Patty Noonan on the street, God rest his soul, uh, he actually played my parents. He was the wedding band at my parents' wedding reception. Oh, at nine months of the day later, along I came and I just said, Patty, there's magic in that squeeze box. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's that's a romantic instrument in the wrong hands. I just know that. Yes. So tell us, tell everybody how they can reach out to you guys to book you for a gig, find out about your music. Where do they get in contact with Celtic Cross? Um, you can go on Instagram, Celtic Cross Tunes, T-U-N-Z, or Facebook. Um, and our website is also www.celticcross.com. Um, and uh, all the information will be on the website and Facebook. And we're excited to share some new music and some videos. Hopefully we'll put some videos to these new tracks um, shortly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, guys, just thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for making the time. Say hi to mom and dad. I know mom's coming up with a, a milestone birthday, 70 years old. I don't know how she has stayed so. 80. I didn't tell you 80, you did. <laughs> Let's just stick with 70. She's, that's it. She's an eternal teenager, that one. So thank you. Wish her a happy birthday. Thank you for being on this podcast. And I uh, just wish you all the best. I can't wait to hear that more new music as it comes up. So thank you, Mike. Thanks a lot. All the best. All the best.
If you ever get the opportunity to catch Celtic Cross at one of the big Irish festivals that happens in the summer or during the halfway to St. Patrick's Day season in mid-September, I highly advise that you see them. Apart from their spirited originals, they can just cut a mean instrumental tune. Nobody does. Grateful Dead covers better than them. And it's just a hodgepodge of country, soul, blues, and of course, Irish fiddling and accordion playing like you've never heard. Catch Celtic Cross next time they're out. We're out now. Taste has been produced by Barbara Farraher of Smiling Voice. My wife, I love you, honey. And we'll see you next week. When we were young kids, we pressed mom to make Italian food for us. We wanted spaghetti and meatballs. And she's like, all right, I'll make spaghetti and meatballs for you. And the plates came out. But next to our lovely dish of spaghetti and meatballs and marinara was a good heaping of mashed potatoes. Gravy. <laughs> because a meal is not a meal without a potato. <laughs> That is our introduction to Italian food. And we had to eat it all. <clears throat> we couldn't leave the table without eating it. Like yes. I partnered with a, a chef. Uh, his name is Sean Brady in, in Kansas City. And he said, I make the most amazing, and he owns an Irish restaurant there. And he said, I make the most amazing lasagna. Like I put my lasagna up next to anybody else's. And here's why I don't serve it. Because you know what the Irish have with their lasagna? coleslaw <laughs> he's like i just i don't have the heart to, to, to serve coleslaw you know with 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 lasagna i just won't do it if there is an irish soda bread recipe what um, how would your recipe. mom characterize the the recipe kathleen oh yeah no i've called her there was like um irish day at the kids school so i was like you know what i'll make irish soda bread how hard can this be mom has she makes it like once a week so i call her up and i said what's the recipe for irish soda bread she's like well you need two bowls one for the you know the wet mix and one for the dry mix i said okay what's you know She's and she's given me like the ingredients. She could list the ingredients like you know flour, raisins, uh, buttermilk. But, butter, like, buttermilk. Butter. I said, well, how much buttermilk? A good skite. A good skite of the buttermilk. I go, what? What is a skite? What even is a skite? <laughs> and, and and I'm like, well, how many raisins? She's like, a good gallop of raisins. A good gallop. <laughs> that was it. so. Like literally knowing, like, and she just throws it all in with her hands, and it comes out brilliantly. But. I mean, the the recipes, there's no recipes for anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no recipe, but however, you know, like, I don't know about you, but I've come to, I can make a mean soda bread myself and I've gone away from the raisins a little bit and I'll put the che the dried cherries and the blueberries and the raspberries. And sometimes, oh, it's, well, then she'll, she'll eat it. And everybody's like, this is so delicious. Like, what the hell is this other dried food? Like this isn't a reason. This isn't a this isn't a current. Oh my gosh. Love it. Now answer the age-old question. Caraway seeds or no caraway seeds in the bread? No, Thank no. you. Thank you. No. All right. Mystery Wait. solved, everybody. <laughs>